Thanks so much for joining us today. Our hope and prayer is that God will use this message powerfully in your life and that it'll bring you closer to him. If you'd like more information about our church or if you'd like to hear more messages, you can visit vibechurch.com or download our app. Now get ready to receive a word from the Lord. You guys look fantastic. Has anybody told you that this morning? All right, well, tell somebody else they look fantastic real quick. Man, you guys are not as enthused about that. So I hope you guys had an amazing week. I am uh, really excited to be with you guys this morning to take on another portion of the One Another series. And so let's have a good time together. You guys want to? So one of my, one of my favorite things to do is to talk about my wife. All right? I love my wife. She's amazing. She's totally out of my league. Um, she loves Jesus. She's like 5'2". She's like a righteous fox, man. It's amazing. But, uh, you know, when I met my wife when we were 13, okay, um, she bit my finger at a car wash. So, and then I dated her best friend. Um, so, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Let's, let's, can we edit that? Can we back up for a second? That should not have come out. Um, Wow. So 17 years later, I finally get her out on a first date. Okay. So guys, if the girl hadn't said yes yet, give it 17 years, she might. Okay. And so once all the other options run out and you're the only dude standing there, it's a good way to get a good one. Um, anyway, she, <laughs> this is going south quick. Um, so she was living in Arkansas. I was living here. She had a conference in Atlanta and I was like, Guess who's driving to Atlanta? And so we went on a date, and one thing I did not do on that first date is just give her all my crazy, right? You don't do that on the first date. You know, you, and if you guys, those of you who know me well know that I've got like truckloads of crazy that come with me, all right? There's, there's, uh, it's just stuff, right? But I didn't just present it to Erica and be like, hey, this is my crazy, hope you like me. I didn't do that because I had a fear of rejection, right? And so I eased her into my crazy. And uh, she's seen it all now. Now, where are my husbands this morning? All right, husbands, I have a question for you. Wives, I'm not going to ask you because I've never been a wife, and I don't know how it translates yet. But husbands, do you remember early on in your marriage, the very first time your wife showed you her full crazy? Do you remember that moment? Now, don't say anything because you're probably sitting next to her. It's scary, isn't it? Like this beautiful, sweet lady that you've been building relationships with suddenly just snaps and you're fearing for your life. So I've, I've pushed, my wife is a sweet, calm, gentle individual, um, but I have developed the skill of pushing her over the edge. And she will snap. Now... <laughs> we don't introduce ourselves with all that stuff, do we? It's because we don't want people to reject us. We have a desire, and it's one of the most fundamental human desires, to be accepted by people around us. Now, I promise you, if I'd have given my wife my bucket loads of crazy on that first date, she wouldn't be my wife today. So I had to ease her into it. So we're gonna, what, that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, because as Christians... Christ has instructed us to accept one another. That's part of us being on mission here with him is to accept people. 
something that I struggled with early on in my walk with Jesus is that he was asking me to love people I didn't even like. And that was a real struggle for me. And I don't know if your parents were as crazy as my parents. My mom was nuts. She told me one time straight up, I, love, I have to love you because you're my son, but I do not have to like you. It's, it's, I love my mom. I'm a mama's boy. Um, you know, she, my mom was crazy though, right? She was a single mom for many years and she was holding it together. But we desire, right, to be accepted by one another. We want to be able to get into a community to where we are accepted for who we are, where we can be known, where we can be fully known, right? And so that's the idea, I think. And there, but there's a, there's a tension that we have to keep. There's a dichotomy that we walk in. It's a lot of way with life in general. But this one is, how far do I take this whole acceptance thing? Do I have to continually accept you even though you keep hitting me with a dump truck? Or if I'm always your fall guy, if it always goes south, do I continually have to accept you for who you are? And that's a hard tension to walk in. And I hope that today we can at least make progress together on, on solving that tension about how far we have to go to accept each other. So we're going to go to the book of Romans, the 15th chapter. Um, Romans is my favorite book. And so we're going to spend some time with the Apostle Paul here as he, as he talks through this. And what I want you guys to be thinking about as we're going through this is that tension. How far does our acceptance go? Let's, let's join Paul in the first three verses of chapter 15. He says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Paul is instructing us here that when we accept other people, it actually has nothing to do with them or me. I accept people as a, as a Christ follower because it glorifies God and it results in that person's edification and growth. My acceptance of another human being has nothing to do with that human being's actions. I accept them because Christ accepted me. We have to understand that what we do is not who we are. Who we are is who Christ says we are. Even if we're not Christians, he still believes that about us. We have that, that potential inside of us. So we accept other people because we, are in, we know who we are in Christ. And we know who they can be in Christ. And so we're not accepting them because they're good people. We're not accepting them because we agree with the way that they live their lifestyle. We accept them because Christ has accepted me. Now there's a misconception I think that I would like to address. And it comes with the church. And most of you guys know that during the week I serve for a company called Corporate Chaplains of America. I have nine companies in the Columbia metropolitan area, about 830 employees, and I go visit them every single week. 
and I, they call me their work pastor. And so my whole job is just to hang out with them, get to know them, build a relationship, and hope that I can build that relationship to the point where the gospel will blossom. That's my mission um, in these workplaces. And a lot of times, and I didn't really realize how prevalent this is, people will say, you know, I'm not really good enough to go to church. Or sometimes they'll make a joke out of it. <laughs> you know, preacher, if I came to your church, I'd be able to burn down. I hope you got insurance. And I've, I've made jokes about myself like that before. Like I've joked before that if Randy had met me when I was 23, there's no way I'd be on the stage. But there's a, that's, a, that's a misconception. And it's a lie from the pits of hell. It's a lie to think that we have to get so far before Jesus will meet us where we are. We have to, we are accepted into a faith community. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Randy was talking about a temple mindset. And I really think that this lie from our enemy develops from that temple mindset. If you guys read, have read in the Old Testament, there's one day a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, right? And he would go, he would atone for the whole sins of the nation of Israel, and everything was hunky-dory for another year, right? What, if, but if you actually read the passages, before homeboy went in, they tied a rope to his leg. Did you, have you guys ever read that before? That rope was because if he had any sin in his life, as soon as he experienced the holiness of God, he was dead. They had to drag him out. Who's next? Yeah, you don't want to line up for that job. And so we have the enemy still tells us that lie. We have to be better if we're going to be accepted. But that's not what the church era is about. That is not why Jesus died. Jesus died to adorn us with his righteousness. So that I can come to God in all of my sinfulness and be like, Jesus, here's all my buckets of crazy. And he accepts us with that crazy and helps us work through it. And so because Jesus has done that for us, we go and we do that for other people. We accept people where they are, for who they are, and all of who they are. I don't necessarily have to agree with you, but I know that God loves you. And that's how I, we're able to expect people or accept people that we don't even really like. See, if we accept people for all of who they are, with all of their junk, with all of their crazy, we gain permission to speak truth into their life. We gain permission to help them deal with the pains and the heartaches and the sorrows and the, the craziness of their past. It's through relationship. Relationship is the conduit through which the love of Christ flows. And so we're not standing on a, on a street corner telling everybody that they're going to hell, but we're stepping into the storm of someone's life, grabbing them by the hand and saying, let me show you somebody that can calm this storm. And I know he'll do it because he's done storms in my life. And so he's instructed us to accept one another. So that led me to a question. And that's, why, why would I ever do that? Why would I accept somebody? And I think Paul starts to address that in the verses 5 and 6 here, where he says, 
Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant to you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So with one accord you may be with one voice glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We accept other people because it glorifies God. And accepting people where they are and doing whatever's going on in their life, that's a part of our love for them. That's a part of God's love for them. We're able to step into whatever's going on and show them the love of Christ because I'm okay with you how you are right now in this moment. Now sometimes my wife does things that drive me crazy, okay? I am. Oh, trust me, I'm going to be real careful with this one. Actually, I think I received a new honor this morning. Before I left, my wife told me I was the most annoying human being on the planet. So I'm going to put that on my resume when I get home. But there's something about my wife, and she knows this. And at this point, after 10 years of marriage, she just does it because she knows this. Guys, I can't stand the way that she squeezes toothpaste. I know this sounds dumb, right? I know, but just hear me out, okay? She grabs the tube and just squeezes, right? Right in the middle of the tube. And just, that's not right. You don't do that to a tube of toothpaste, okay? You start at the bottom, understand? And you, you work your way up, okay? So I can't even brush my teeth because I have to fix the tube. It drives me nuts, but I still love my wife, right? I'm not going to go stay at the Holiday Inn because she squeezes toothpaste wrong. Actually, what I've started doing is I buy my own toothpaste. Don't touch my toothpaste, you toothpaste squeezer wronger. Does, does anybody else feel my pain in this? Okay, good. I'm not the only crazy person in the room. And here's another thing that drives me crazy, all right? I have an eight-year-old son. Getting him to brush his teeth... You'd think I was asking him to cut his foot off. A couple of days ago, I sat on his chest and brushed his teeth because he came up all hot mouth. Daddy, to ask you a question. You know, I'm like, can you write it down? Because I don't know what you have in your mouth right now. But I still love my son. And he's small enough now for me to sit on him and brush his teeth. It doesn't change the way that I feel about my son. I just prefer for him to face the wall when he speaks to me. But I still love him, right? You know what's great about that? There's nothing I can do to change the way that God thinks about me. There's nothing that you have done or will do or can do that will change the idea of, that God has of you or change the love he has or the potential that you have in him. There may be times when he sits on your chest and brushes your teeth, but it's because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And so where do I come in on that? Because the God that I love wants the best for you, then I want the best for you. Even if I don't like you. I want you to have the best from God that you can possibly get. Now in a crowd this size, there's people in here that don't like me. I understand that. Nine times out of ten, my wife doesn't like me. But she still seeks the good for our relationship. 
And that's what accepting others and why we accept others, because we want them to have the absolute best that God has for them. You know, there's, there's a guy that I chaplain, and he's, I heard him say this statement several times. Man, I hate, your going, I, I'm glad it's, I hate you're going through that, but I'm glad it's not me. I hate that you're experiencing this hardship in life. I'm glad it's not me, but I hate that you're doing it too. And we've got to step into people's lives to the point where we don't always get along. We don't always see eye to eye, but I accept you for who you are. And I love you enough because God loves you that I want to see the absolute best come out for you. I don't know about you guys, but I'm happy to see other people happy and successful. I'm not in competition with anybody. I want you to go as far as you possibly can. Get as close to God. Get the, do everything you can. We're not competing for God's attention. We love people because Christ loved us so much. Now, why do we accept people? We accept people because we know that when people come in contact with Jesus Christ, their life changes. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but Jesus is not physically here anymore. When he raised, he ascended into heaven, and he gave us the responsibility to show people the love that he has for them. And so now that we are holding a mirror up and saying, this is God's love for you, we have to accept them so that we can build that relationship so that the love of God can flow freely into their lives. Now, when I come into a relationship with you, there's probably things in your life that I disagree with. It's not my job to change you. It's my job to love you. It's God's job to work with you through those issues. Now, I will honestly, I will help you if you come to me and we talk through things. We can talk through things. We can tell you what I agree with, what I don't agree with. But you know what? I still love you. And it's still going to be God that changes you because I can't even change myself. I am not going to step into your life and try to deal with your sin when I can't even personally deal with mine. I work with my father every day. God, make me better than I was yesterday. And help me love people the way that you love people. And I really think that's the culture that the church, the body has. If we take that into the workplaces, if we take that into the grocery stores, you will not believe what God will do in this city, in this state, and across this world. If we just let people know that it's okay, God still loves you. So we've got another issue to deal with. How do we do this? How do we accept other people? What does it look like? And I really think Paul did a great job in just summarizing the answer in verse 7. He says, Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Accept one another just as Christ, in the same manner as, in the same way that Jesus has accepted us, we accept other people. Do you think that Jesus agreed with the lifestyle of everybody he contacted when he was here? Do you see Jesus in the Gospels going up to people and telling them, you have to change? What do you see Jesus doing? 
He goes in, he meets needs, he builds relationships, and people blossom under the love of God. And if you ever really need a healthy helping of some humble pie, sometimes I think about all the things God had to overlook in order to have a relationship with me. I see people and they're, they're struggling. God can't love me. God can't love me. And I'm like, let me tell you about me. <laughs> now, a lot of you know this, but, you know, I used to be a militant atheist. Most of my 20s, I grew up in the church and I got hurt and I went the other way, right? And then I discovered, then I went to war and came back and thought God is an impossibility. There's no way a good God could let that happen, Right? And so I began to study the philosophies of it and became really convinced. And anytime people would come and try to witness to me, it would, I made it my personal mission to completely destroy their faith. And then I met a man named Robert. <laughs> he was a chaplain. My very first interaction with this man was I was getting ready to go out on a foot patrol, and he walks up to me and he says, Sergeant, can I pray before you before you go? And I said, you can pray for the men, but I don't need your God. I've got a machine gun. And that didn't change Robert's view of me because the next day when I was getting ready to go on patrol, Robert was right there at the gate. Hey, Sergeant, can I pray for you today? I'm like, no, leave me alone. For months, day in, day out, every patrol I left that base on, Robert was standing there. Can I pray for you today, Sergeant? And he'd pray for all my men. And I connected with Robert in a weird way, all right, because I avoided that dude like the plague. All right, so I'm walking through the little housing units. You military folks will know what chews are. Uh, we're combat housing unit. We're walking through those. And I hear an acoustic guitar playing Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. All right, and I'm like, ooh, you know, entertainment. Let's roll. And so I go through. I walk around the corner, and it's Chaplin. He's playing Nothing Else Matters by Metallica on his acoustic guitar. And I'm like, what? And I was like, bro, let me go get my guitar. We'll jam. So I went and got a guitar. We played Leonard Skinner, Metallica, ACDC. And we played some Black Sabbath. And we were rolling. And Chaplin was just keeping up with me, man. I'm like, this dude's great. I love this guy. We started playing guitar together like two or three times a week. He never mentioned religion to me at all. We just played music. And then one day I was like, Chap, i got to ask you a question. And that question changed my life. Because he sat down with me and he walked through these things. And he helped me deal with the pain that I was hiding from. He helped me walk through the questions I had about God's existence and the the things that I thought if God did exist, he's just an angry kid with a magnifying glass burning ants. And he helped me work through these things. And I'll never forget, it was actually on July 4th. I'm sitting in his chew and we're talking and it hit me. I'm out of arguments. What do I do now? And he said, let me show you something. And let me tell you something. In all of those months, that was the first time he ever opened his Bible in front of me. And he said, this is where we go from here. And uh, the rest of July, he walked me through the entire book of John. Next thing I know, man, I am in love with Jesus and didn't even know how it happened. Because that chaplain chose to accept me for who I am. And I really think, guys, that that is a fantastic way to accept people and show people that God truly does care. 
And today, I can tell you with 100% certainty, God's okay with your doubts. He's okay with that pain that you hide from. He's okay with that, the troubles that you have with your belief in him. He's okay that sometimes you get mad at him. God's a big guy. He can handle it. But what he wants to do, and he could, like he could force himself, you know, he could force you to believe, but he chooses to build a relationship with you and walk through these things to build that relationship so that one day you look up and like, I love Jesus and I don't even know when it started. You know, I'm a sinful man. None of us were perfect when we came to Christ. And knowing this, knowing what he knows about me, he still bore my punishment. He still took my sin and my shame. And he still thought about me when he was on that cross. You know what else he did? He also left all that stuff in the grave on Sunday when he rose from the dead and gave me a newness of life. Because he accepts me for where I am, and that's where we're going with this. So let's look at the master. Let's talk about a couple of things he did. Uh, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, right? Jesus takes the short route, goes through Samaria. He's like, you know what, fellas, I'm kind of hungry and thirsty. Let's park here for a little while. It's the middle of the day. The disciples go in, going to grab some chow. This lady comes out, and uh, God, Jesus had every reason not to speak to her. One is he's a male, she's a woman. In that time period, you didn't talk to women. You know, another one, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. But what did he do? Hey, you got a bucket, I'm kind of thirsty, can I get a drink? And that starts a conversation that leads to a changed life. And he says, you know what, go get your husband, I'll... Uh, I'll tell you both about it. Well, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five, and the man you're with now is not your husband. And he still showed her love. With all of those law and cultural reasons to reject her, he took her in and accepted her, and it changed her life. Now, one thing that's always confused me about this story is the disciples were in town shopping, didn't mention to anybody that the Messiah was outside by the well. But as soon as this rejected downcast woman felt her first taste of acceptance. What'd she do? She ran into the city. Come, come see a man who showed me everything I've ever done. Come see the one that has finally shown me what it feels like to be accepted. What about the lady who was caught in adultery? Later on in John, Jesus is hanging out. These Pharisees drag her in and throw her on the ground and Said she was caught in the very act of adultery. Now in Leviticus and Deuteronomy it says, if you catch a woman in adultery, you take the man and the woman outside of the city and you stone them and kill them. That's what the law said. And they said, well, that's what Moses said. Jesus, what do you have to say? And Jesus started writing in the dirt. I wonder what he wrote. I don't know. It'd be awesome to find out. But then he says something. You know, if if you're without sin, cast the first stone. But listen to what he actually said, kind of the context behind that. Whoever is totally innocent in light of the law, cast the first stone. If you're completely innocent, you have nothing wrong in your life, you get to cast the first stone. What happened? They all walked off. And he said, I don't accuse you either. Please go and sin no more. 
He had every reason to not accept her, but he chose to accept her. So this is the basis for accepting other people. The acknowledgement that all people are made in the image of God. Everybody is made in the image of God. The people I love, the people I don't like. I accept them because they are made in the image of the God that I love. And it's not my job to change them. It's God's job to work with them. And when I begin to respect the image of God and other people, that leads to a mutual respect, which then that leads to a relationship, and it is within the context of that relationship that true life change can actually happen. I want us to, uh, to take a stand in the church. And I want people to understand one thing, really. And that's, it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. I accept you out of my love for Christ and his life for you, his love for you, but I love you too much to let you stay in the same cycle of sin and death and pain and heartache and just keep repeating that over and over and over again. I love you too much to let you stay there. I will come to you. I will meet you where you are. I will meet you in that cycle, but I'm not going to let you stay there. Let's break the cycle. Your story could break the cycle of torment in somebody else's life. We accept people because God has accepted us. So if you guys would stand with me. I want to talk to you really about two different things before we close. Those of us who are Christ followers and believers and we live our lives according to to this book. I want to ask you this morning if would you take a stand with me? Would you help me to create a culture, not just in I mean Vive Church has got the culture, but take this Vive culture of just come as you are, I accept you where you're at, and let's spread that everywhere that we go. Jesus had every opportunity to reject me. Jesus had every reason to reject me. Jesus loves me. So I want to take a stand. And I want you to join me. We're going to take a stand against this idea that people aren't good enough to join us in a community of faith. I want to take a stand and let people know that you may have to hide your crazy at work. You may have to hide your crazy at home. But when you come and you are in this family, it's okay to be broken. Because we're all broken. And what we're doing here, what we do as the church, is we help people put together the broken pieces to make the most beautiful mosaic of God's glory. You can't have, you know, some of the most beautiful pieces of art I've ever seen in my life are made from broken dishes. Have you seen those? They break up colored glass and they make these beautiful things. That is the story of our lives. Jesus is still in the business of making beautiful things out of the junk that we've made. So let's take a stand together. and Let's accept people based on God's love for them 
in his acceptance of us. If you guys would bow your heads with me. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never felt accepted. Maybe you've never been a part of a community that would help you piece back together the life that's been broken. That's you this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to to step into that relationship with Christ and to begin the work of piecing things back together because it is in this place, it is in this family that we're willing and able to step into our each other's crazy and piece it all back together. So if you would like to take that step this morning, would you just wave at me and we'll, we'll work together. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks. Let's, let's get together. Let's, let's take our crazy and piece it back together. So let's pray real quick. And I want you to make this prayer from your heart. I want you just to pray and just join me and say, Father, thank you for accepting me. God, even though you had every reason and right not to, you still loved me and you're working with me to put my life, the broken pieces, back into the glory of God. Father, today we want to step into that relationship with you and to begin the journey of just becoming more like you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome them to the family. Let's worship together. Thanks again for joining us today. We're hoping that this message brought you to life. If you have any prayer requests or if you'd like to connect with our church family, you can email us at info at vivechurch.com or you can fill out the contact card section in our app. We're looking forward to hearing about all the ways that God is moving in your life. And until next time, go bring somebody to life.